Hey, Lance, welcome to the Peace, Love, Trust podcast. Very excited to have you today. You and I worked together for about probably eight months, right? In 2021. Yeah. Yeah, Oh my gosh. Eight beautiful months. Eight wild months, right? What a ride. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And you joined Purposefully Clear initially. And then you went through Purposefully Connected and Purposefully Powerful. And now you are running your own business. You've quit your job. And yeah, you've really set some pretty solid boundaries and some upgrades in your life, hey? Yeah, definitely. I was actually reflecting back on, you know, the person I was before I started working with you and before I started Purposefully Clear and oh, just a totally different person. Honestly, just a shell of a human, no boundaries, no confidence, no trust within myself. Yeah. What was your day-to-day like? I'm really curious. What was your day-to-day like prior to Purposefully Clear? Oh, frazzled. (laughs) (laughs) Just, just, constantly feeling frazzled, constantly feeling anxious. I was teaching full time and just in a job that I hated, that wasn't good for my mental health, but I was Mm. just stuck in that rat race of, you know, you find your career, you've got to get your ongoing so you can have a baby, so you can settle down and get everything in line and be comfortable. And honestly, just yeah, just um, self-sabotaging and putting myself through hell to think of the bigger picture. You know, there were days where I would just go to work and be crying on the way, um, just in fear of, of what what was to come, but not, yeah, not listening to myself, not trusting myself and just pushing through. And, you know, it ultimately led to just a burnout and just breaking down. So it was a rough six months of the year before I started working with you I think it was around July yeah and a question I have for a lot of folks that you know are about to join purposefully clear is what is it that stops you from going right in right away because there was a little bit of hesitancy for you right what was Mm -hmm. the hesitancy with before joining purposefully clear yeah it definitely there was a lot to do with actually investing in myself. I think money, because, it's always yeah, money for people. Yeah. yeah. I think Tell us about my, that a bit more. Yeah. My, um, my self worth was so low that, you know, you wouldn't even comprehend spending that kind of money on yourself because yeah, why would you, you're not, you're not taught to that. It's okay to invest in yourself and to spend money on yourself. Meanwhile, you know, we're renovating, we're saving for a wedding, um, so you're investing all this money in these other projects, but yeah, the biggest fear for me was putting that money down towards myself. I think every other aspect was I needed this. I needed help. I wasn't okay. And I think when I finally got to the point where I was like, I tap out, I'm done. I can't do this alone. It was then just getting over the money fears of you can do this. Yeah. I love that. And that's super helpful for anyone listening because most of the objections are always financial, you know, oh, we've got a wedding coming up, we've got a mortgage, we've got kids to pay for, we've got holidays that we need to go on, we've got bathrooms to renovate. And my kind of counter argument all the time is, 
you're not going to be able to lay in that beautiful new bath with a lush bath bomb and feel at peace with yourself if you are loathing, anxious, fearful about the future. And that's what cracks me up, right? If you don't tend to the vessel that you live in, all the external stuff, whether it is the wedding or a holiday or a new home or a mortgage, like it's not going to feel very good. Would you agree? Oh, totally. I couldn't agree with this more. And I think it's, you know, you've really got to tend to the relationship with yourself so you can project everything you've got to offer to other people and enjoy these little things. But at the end of the day, yeah, none of that stuff matters if you're not okay because you're not going to appreciate it and, you know, truly value what you've got in front of you if you're just so unhappy within yourself. So... Lans, you've spent just under $14,000 with me in the last, I suppose, six to eight months. And what I want to say to you from an outside perspective, if someone was to look at Alana, they'd be like, she has everything. She's got a beautiful dog, a beautiful home. She's from a wealthy uh, country. She's got a amazing relationship, good friendships, a supportive family, great siblings she's got an education organic food everything she could ever want like what's wrong with you you should just be more grateful right Mm. like outside looking (laughs) in people would be like your life is kind of perfect so my question to you is okay so what was missing what was feeling like Lans was empty despite having all these things and all this stuff to be grateful for. What was it for you? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it was just a lot of buildup of, you know, conditioning from society, from family, from, you know, growing up and thinking that all of those things matter. You know, we look at other people and it's like, if you've got a great you know, everything externally looks beautiful and shiny and everything. And that person looks like they've got it all, but it's like, that's, it doesn't matter. It's what's actually within that matters. And I think for me, it was this front for a lot of, you know, the last 10 years of trying to just do everything that everyone else is doing. And, you know, you've got to do this and you've got to do that. And you just get caught up in that rat race that you just, get to a point where it's just too much and if you don't look after yourself if you don't look after your mental health if you know your emotional health if you don't allow yourself to feel what you need to feel you're just I just got to a point where it was just too much and I remember you know sitting on the floor and and crying to my husband just being like I've you know at the time I was like I've just turned 30 like this can't be it this cannot be how I'm meant to be feeling because it was just this empty feeling within myself, whereas everything else was perfect. I loved, I had everything else around me that was amazing, but it was just looking in the mirror at myself and I guess not really knowing who I was. Yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. Would you say from the point of view and position that you're standing in now, that a lot of people have a lot of years of built up hurt? There's a lot of hurt inside of them. And in all of those years that it builds up, it almost solidifies like concrete. And then as we do this work, we slowly chip away lovingly with self-compassion at the bits of these hurt. 
um, the bits of this hurt or as we used to chat about and purposefully clear it was like the panels of the house right like the weatherboards yeah. we'd pull like one old weatherboard off at a time so having known you for a while now and really seeing your beautiful heart and the compassion that you have for people and the love you have for animals and nature and your friends and the people that you care about I would personally say that you are a deep empath and mm. sometimes when we're empaths which I mean it takes one to know one right and I've been the same my entire life overstimulation is really difficult for our nervous system so yeah. by the time you and I worked together you'd really kind of short-circuited yourself and fried the motherboard right it's like the best way to put it <laughs> and yeah when we recalibrate and do a course like purposefully clear that gives us these principles and tools and rituals and ceremonies to live by we're able to piece by piece put the motherboard back together so now you're still Lance, you're still an empath. You still have a lot of hurt inside of you, without a doubt. We're all human. We don't get away without that. What's different now? The person that's speaking to me now versus the person I met, say, eight, nine months ago. I think I love what you say about self-compassion because I think that's one of the biggest things that has shifted is that I am so much more kind and loving to myself. and you know, really learning to accept all of my feelings, all of my emotions for what they are and how I'm showing up and not trying to change that. I think we aren't taught to feel our emotions. We're taught to suppress our emotions and, you know, toughen up and suck it up and just get on with it. And I think that's what a lot of people have challenges with is that they're not taught or encouraged to feel what they need to feel. And then, you know, that manifests into all sorts of physical um, illnesses and diseases and everything. So, yeah, I think for me personally, I've just become a lot more kind to myself, a lot more loving to myself. I've learned that, you know, I am only human. I don't have to do everything. I can say no. Um, you know, having boundaries has been one of the best things that I could do for my overall well-being and my health. Yeah, so it's just it's just really learning to love myself and accept myself for who I am and, and how I need to be and show up each day. I love that. I mean, that's a brilliant answer. <laughs> what I also wanted to ask you is, I don't know if it's a question or whether it's a statement, but what I've found for myself is when I'm alone on my island and have been in the past, I feel very alien-like, no one understands me, no one is going <laughs> through the pain that I'm going through, I'm yeah. the crazy one, I'm the unhinged one, I'm the oversensitive one, you know, all these things we've been told throughout childhood or throughout just society, you know, dickheads in school, all sorts of yeah. things. <laughs> so if we think about that, what did you find beneficial from having group settings working with me what was a benefit from the group yeah oh the group dynamic I honestly didn't know that something like that could exist it was such a community it was such a sisterhood it was 
you know, really feeling seen and heard, really not like knowing you're in such a safe space to share what you need to share because what we share, we clear. So it's, yeah, it's just having that safe dynamic of like-minded women who support each other, who, you know, we were there for each other no matter what. We were, yeah, having phone calls outside of the group. It was just such a beautiful, beautiful group that you created in all of your courses that we did together. Yeah, something I'll really awesome. always cherish. Yeah, Because what you said around the group piece, you know, being nourishing and cared mm. for and anything goes, that doesn't mean that you don't leave the call sometimes feeling wrung out, pissed off, <laughs> resentful, like called out, gutted. Yeah. But at some point there's this self-compassion, this love and this realisation of like, ah, oh, but this is for the better version of me. This is for the life I want to build. I don't want to be in this place anymore, right? Yeah. And man, anytime I do call people out or I'm enrolled in a higher version of them, it can be hard for all of us that are participating in it because it's always an ego death. It's always us wrestling around with Voldemort. And I think that's really interesting when you're in a group <laughs> dynamic because it gives you the perspective of like, well, I'm not alone. Other people are getting wrestled around with Voldemort too. It's not just me. I'm not being targeted. My childhood trauma of abandonment's coming up. I feel like I'm singled out. I'm too seen. I don't like this. Yeah. And um, I'd love you to kind of give us a give us an example or you know have a chat about oh. any times that you felt called out by me or just like fuck this. <laughs> gosh there were definitely some um battles with the ego moments for sure <laughs> it's funny though I um I remember saying to the girls I'm like god Brooke I tell you what <laughs> she was too hard that session <laughs> but you always had our best interest at heart and even though there were times that you did push us it was because we were either just playing it safe and coasting and we, you know, as, as we like to say, we needed to rip the bandaid off and, and get shit done. And yeah, I think you, you're very good at being direct, but not pushing us too far to the point of us just crumbling and breaking down. You know, there were moments that we were tested, but it's because, you know, you're, you know, you're only trying to get us to our higher selves and you know, what, what we can do or what we can offer and our potential that we can get to. But we just needed that little push of, um, of courage to, yeah, stop playing it safe and stop people pleasing and, yeah, speak your truth. <laughs> what I loved with you was always when we'd do, we'd do stuff on money and then I'd yeah. just watch your whole being mm. um, contract, right? And then as we went along and as, you know, we'd call you out on lands, like where have you gone and you know, things like that. <laughs> you were able to go, oh, actually, like, that is not me. That is my mm. ego. Like, yeah. these are old belief systems that I adopted from people in my past, from family or society, or maybe it was like a teacher's mindset that you no yeah. longer adhered to or, you know, felt yeah. like was resonant for you. And I would love for you to describe to whoever's listening to this podcast how you personally understand the ego like what Voldemort means to you how Voldemort shows up why we even call it Voldemort yeah I I love this because I think for me 
understanding Voldemort and the ego was a game changer. You know, you, you spend your whole life or your whole adult life just having this, and, and the best way to describe it, it's just this negative voice in your head telling you you're not good enough, telling you you can't do that, you shouldn't do that, you, should, you need to do this. It's just this, he's, it's this negative voice in your head trying to keep you small and safe. And, yeah, I guess for me learning all about the ego and the tricks that it can play on you was just a game changer because now I know that it is just my ego. It's not reality. I'm not my ego. I'm not my thoughts or my emotions or what, you know, Voldemort tells you. Yeah, it's just understanding the ego is really now allows me to just recognize when it is in full force and pull myself out of that ego dance of, yeah, trying to just keep me small and and not, you know, make moves and be brave and, and everything like that. So it's crazy. Um, and it's something that, again, you're not taught about. You're not taught about the ego. It was really eye-opening. And now because I'm aware of it, it's just funny to just listen to it sometimes and just think, wow, you're, you're, that ego is crazy. <laughs> That's a crazy motherfucking Voldemort. Yeah. And the reason I came up with Voldemort as the ego is Voldemort and Harry Potter needs a host in order mm. to get stronger. And that's what I always thought about with the ego. So when the ego gets louder or the fear becomes insurmountable or the anxiety, the self-loathing, the shame, the guilt, the humiliation, the embarrassment, when all of that gets strengthened or feels too much, we know that we've been feeding that. Mm. And I love, there's actually a podcast and I think it's called The Mouth You Feed. So if you feed Voldemort all the negative thoughts and you keep buying into it and you buy into the stories and then the stories create another web of more stories, right? Then we just create this beast, this monster. Whereas Mm. if we starve Voldemort and we keep focusing on things that you learned and purposefully clear that I learned from other practitioners and coaches on my journey, we're able to kind of dilute or pull the volume down on Voldemort and our higher self gets a bit of a vote or a seat at the table, right? Our yeah. higher self, she's like, hey, I'm super proud of you. Like, look at us. We're meditating each morning and I'm super proud of you. You were anxious today and you took yourself to the beach with your journal and you just sat there for two hours. I'm super yeah. proud of you. You stood in nature today and you didn't feel the need to do anything. I'm really happy that we're getting on discovery calls and we're chatting with new potential clients because we're here to help people alleviate their own anxiety. And this is God's work, or this is the universe work. This is what we're meant to do is pull people out of this shitty old paradigm of like self-loathing and drinking and feeling like shit and kind of rinse, repeat, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And definitely that's something I did learn really well and purposefully clear was yeah understanding the ego and being aware of it when it is when you are off kilter and then you know you need to rebalance your life with all of the tools that you learn whether that's yeah meditating journaling getting out in nature you know disconnecting yourself from your phone and you know toxic people and you know all of these things for me really helped bring me back to my higher self and enhance my intuition you know, quieten the ego. So I know now if the ego is going wild, 
what I can do, all the tools that I've got in my tool belt to bring me back to, yeah, balance and peace. It's peace, isn't it? Like my number one thing is I don't need to be the wealthiest person on the planet with the biggest house and the biggest business and the biggest empire. And I don't need to be the slimmest, best looking. All I need is peace. All I require is peace. And it doesn't matter (laughs) if it's not going to bring me more peace. I don't really want to sign up for it. I don't know about you. Yeah. And it's, it's the same. It's like now, you know, saying no to people, I'm not going to do that because I know how I'm going to be feeling after I'm not going to go to that event because I know how I'm going to be feeling after. And it's just, it's not worth it. It's not going to bring me peace and it's just going to send me backwards. And it's, that is not worth it to me anymore. Notice, I mean, you know that I'm a big advocate for really messy, imperfect action instead of inaction, (laughs) right? Like purposefully clear is a, as a course for the avoidance, you know, Mm. people that are like, Oh shit, I'm sitting on the sidelines and I'm neither here nor there. And I haven't decided, and I'm just going to keep coasting and hope it gets better. Yet we know that the messy action piece is going to bring us a lot more clarity and it's going to show us what we do and don't want. And you just led by and led with an example of that being okay. So I know based on past ev- past evidence mm. that that doesn't work for me. But yeah. hadn't Lan's gone and done that time and time and time again, and she's finally like, okay, I'm deciding now that I'm no longer insane because I'm not going <laughs> to go and do the same thing over and over again and yeah. hope for a different result. Yeah. I've realized that I love myself so much that a Friday night for me with my favorite takeaways and movie and hanging out with my dog or going for a walk or doing ecstatic dance or going to yoga or going to a workshop is going to be far more nourishing for my mind, body, soul, Mm. and future lands than going to something that feels socially empty. There's alcohol or it just doesn't feel good for you. Right. You already know it's like past evidence has shown you. Exactly. And then, you know, those situations just fuel the anxiety. Whereas, you know, you've got Let's to speak into that-, that more. Let's speak into what fuels anxiety. Cause I feel like you're an expert in this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's for me, it was now that I look back and reflect, it was living a life that wasn't authentic and true to my higher self and, you know, what your values. What I, yeah. I my values. values eh? Exactly. Exactly. And for me, it was really building that self-trust and learning to listen to your gut and your intuition. If it tells you that, oh, try this or say no to that. If you actually follow through on those little pings that you get, you're building that self-trust to know that it is worth it. When you do put yourself first, you're building that self-trust muscle. And yeah, you're going to, for me, it was reducing the anxiety because I wasn't saying yes to things in fear. I was learning to put myself first and not do things that weren't in line with my values. So if we were to define anxiety, because I think this is a very interesting topic that we don't necessarily dig deeper into. Mm. If we think about ourselves as a mammalian species, you know, we're truly like monkeys with a brain and we think about anxiety 
for me, it's always been a, I don't belong. I'm not part of the pack. I don't resonate with these people. These don't seem to be aligned values or Mm. this thing is the substance or the situation is depleting my serotonin. It's depleting the feel good hormones inside of me. So then I get anxious because I'm like, well, if I'm a mammalian species and I'm here in physical form on this planet, then if I don't align or I'm not connected to my fellow mates, then I'm the runt of the pack or, you know, yeah. the, the ugly duckling or the unwanted one. And then that's a, that's a survival thing, Lance. And I feel like mm. we get anxiety when we feel like we're somehow not going to survive. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and it's definitely a safety thing. It's, you know, your nervous system doesn't feel safe. And, you know, with that, it's not feeling safe, whether it's, yeah, your environment, who you're surrounded by, it could be work. For me, it was, it was all of those things and work was a big one. It was causing a lot of anxiety, but I was just ignoring that from the very start of my, you know, teaching career. Yeah, it it just became this survival within myself to get by each day, but not actually listening to, listening to yourself and recognizing that it is, you know, who you're surrounding yourself by or what you're doing in your day-to-day life, it's toxic and it's, it's causing you anxiety. What I find really interesting is, you know, you and I are both born in the early nineties and we've kind of talked about this a bit, but all of our families in that era were really good at providing a home, providing physical safety, like giving us all we needed material wise, holidays, all the things but I believe there was a real lack of love for themselves. You know, they didn't really prioritize therapy. They didn't prioritize sobriety or leaning into their deep and large and often scary feelings that they had. And so as children, we oftentimes felt quite alone and anxious because we had these big, scary, overwhelming emotions And we had parents that were trying their best, but they didn't have the tools, which is what we learn in Purposefully Clear, to go, hey, Alana, like, you're feeling like this. Lots of people get sad. Like, here's something that you can try and just know that I'm here for you. And, you know, we got this. It was like, oh, my gosh, (laughs) I'm anxious that you're anxious. Stop being anxious because this is making me more anxious. And yeah we're not blaming our parents at all. I think if anything, it's beautiful that we have the tools and the resources and the ability to, to see this now, but what's your view on a parent's responsibility to regulate their own emotions for their children, even Mm. for people that are having kids now that may be listening? Yeah, it's, it's honestly so, so important. And it's, you know, generational trauma, with mental health and anxiety and, you know, not being able to regulate your nervous system, it, it gets passed down. You know, I've had a couple of people come to me and, and tell me that they know they need to do something. So they're not passing these things onto their kids. And then they you know, they're giving their children a nourishing childhood and upbringing and everything. And I guess my advice is if you know something's not right within yourself if you know you're not being you know parenting to your fullest potential because 
that you've got, you know, your own anxiety or depression or whatever it is, there's so many tools out there to help. You know, you can go get coaching, go see a psychologist, counsellors, therapy, whatever it is. But if you have that, those feelings within yourself that you know you're not parenting to your fullest potential, go and do something about it because, you know, from babies to seven, you know, zero to 14, that's when the damage is done and those kids will get to their 20s, their 30s, 40s, you know, even later and have so much conditioning that's just been drilled into their brains because, yeah, the you know, parental wounds weren't tended to. It's definitely so important. Yeah, it's one of the things that I'm most passionate about. I was writing my website copy today as I'm in the process of getting a new website upgrade. And it was like, what is the why of your business? That was one of the questions for when I'm writing my website copy. And I was like, gosh, that's quite a deep question. What is the why of my business? And when I really boiled it down, every person that I meet or interact with in person or that reach out, reaches out to me on Instagram or, you know, like you, you were a, a referral through Tori, who was like an indirect referral through Ash, another client of mine. And when I think about it, I'm like, tell me about your upbringing. That's like the initial thing I ask people. What's your mom like? What's your dad like? What are you experiencing right now that makes you feel anxious, overwhelmed, avoidant, perfectionist? Life is too much. Like, I don't feel like I'm good enough. I'm failing all the time. Like other people around me seem to have it together. I don't, I'm abnormal because I can't hold a job down. And it's like, okay, cool. Let's dial into the parents. Let's dial into your relationship with them, the emotional nurturing. And then we go through a process of reparenting ourselves, don't we? So I'm not here to replace your parent that you didn't necessarily like need. Yeah. But what I'm here to do is show you all the places that you can reparent yourself. So when a time comes that you do have kids, if you want them, Mm. or a time comes when you decide you want to be a coach, which lands you have your own business now, like, you know, that you're just a a vessel or a messenger for someone to learn to repair themselves how do you feel about that yeah absolutely and you know childhood trauma I used to look at it and think it was this big thing you know it had to be sexual abuse it had to be physical abuse it had to be these big traumas to cause an impact in your life but you know what people don't understand is trauma as a child could be as little as falling off your bike and your parents aren't around to, you know, give you a hug while you're crying and make you feel safe again. And then that experience lodges into your brain and it causes trauma later in life. Like, and, and you like, make a million decisions from that place. Oh, well, no yeah. one's going to show up for me. I'm alone in this. I can't ask for help. And it was literally yeah. that one little T is what people say. Little T incident There's trauma mm. with a big T and a little T. Yeah. Exactly. And I think, yeah, really learning to understand that so you can reparent yourself. And, you know, I know know now for me when I do, when my partner and I do decide to have, have kids, conscious parenting, it's a thing. It's being aware of, of how little things like that in your day-to-day life can cause, you know, trauma for children. And then that can manifest later into, in life. What you said before, um, when we actually first got onto this podcast, I really, you know, it was like ah, a breath of relief or peace. It was when you said, 
I'm far more self-compassionate with myself now. I'm far more accepting of all the emotions that I have. Mm. And when we look at child psychology or play therapy or anything to do with raising children, as a parent, you're just a reflection and a mirror all the time. So if your child is losing their shit, falling off their bike, or they're throwing a massive tantrum, and like it's yeah, people that are parents might go, oh well, it's easy for you to without kids right now and no sleep and blah blah blah, yeah. you know. But the notion is having full acceptance and showing that child that they are allowed to have full acceptance of their yeah. big scary emotions. So it's like instead of going, why are you feeling like that? Where did it come from? It's more of a I get sad sometimes too. I want to get really angry sometimes too. Like anger is okay as long as we don't hurt anybody, but why don't we just jump up and down and smash these pillows together? Like you're really angry, aren't you? I see that. That's okay. And acknowledging that like mom's angry right now. She's not angry at you, but wow, she needs to go and punch these pillows. Like whatever it is, we're allowing ourselves to accept the big emotions and we're not like, well, where did it come from? What is it? Because I think of that with these, like you said, physical ailments that happen because of trauma. It's like, well, if we get a diagnosis for something, sometimes we just get hell bent on that thing rather than going, wait a second, I can accept this. I can release this. I can feel this and I can transmute it. Yeah. And then you're also modeling to your kids what a healthy nervous system and what, you know, being able to regulate your emotions, what that looks like. You know, even as a teacher, kids obviously look up at, to to teachers to learn but they also look up to parents to learn and if you're not showing your kids how to regulate your emotions and how to accept your emotions and show that self-compassion that's what they're learning you know they're learning that it's not okay to cry it's not okay to be angry I can't I'm not allowed to feel like this because I'm not showing that way at home so or I'm not showing that way at school by my teacher so yeah I think that when you learn to have that self-compassion and acceptance for yourself, you're passing that love and that compassion on to your kids and showing them that this is how, this is a healthy way to be. Absolutely. One of the prescribed reads that I give to everyone that isn't purposefully clear or works with me in general is Intimacy by Osho. And he always talks about be the flower, not the rock. Because the flower is soft, it's Mm. vulnerable. You could step on it and completely squash it in an instant. But the flower, it brings a beautiful scent. People are in awe of the flower, right? They look at it and they're like, wow. And they smell it and they caress it and they're just blown away by the petals of a rose. And, you know, people don't have that level of adoration and connection to a boulder at the beach Mm, (laughs) and I have always remembered that anytime I harden up or I get irritable or pissed off Mm. which believe me happens very regularly because I'm a human and so are you and we're monkeys and (laughs) it's it's a hard (laughs) life at times Um, I always try and get back to that place of Michael Singer would say that wrote untethered soul untethered soul he's like stay open stay Mm. open keep your heart open no matter how much you are hurt just keep your heart open keep your heart open love forgive keep it open and Osho saying be like the flower be like the flower be like the flower it's the same thing right it's just like but I want to get angry but I that person was wrong and that's when Voldemort strengthens because we're like yeah all right keep going 
Yeah. He's bad. She's bad. They fucked up. They weren't there. And that's what I've been experiencing lately. Like I said to you before we jumped on here, I recorded a podcast. I uploaded it. You know, it wasn't kind. It exposed people in my family. Like it wasn't the nicest thing I could have done, but the notion of hurt people hurt people is Mm. accurate. So I took it down and I did a forgiveness ceremony with myself because I was in pain. But ultimately we're always trying to keep the ego in check. Absolutely. And it's funny because I remember at the start, you would say you're, I, I just had this coat of armor on because I wouldn't let people in to, because I didn't want to be hurt. I didn't want people to see me. I just had this. So I was the rock. And I think until you learn to like what we hear in the untethered soul, really rip the boards off and start to expose yourself and be vulnerable and soften that you can become that flower and you can yeah, drop away that resentment and forgive people and show that compassion and love to other people in other areas in your life rather than, yeah, carrying that anger, that resentment and hurt in your heart. So it's just, yeah. It's hurt in your heart. It's exactly Mm. it. And people carry that shit around for years and years and years and it just becomes their identity. I'd love you to share with the listeners of this podcast, what does it feel like and what is it like to experience the flower, to experience Mm. being open? Yeah, the first thing that just came to me then was it's, it's just a feeling of lightness. I think for so long it was, I was just feeling dark. I was feeling heavy, you know, feeling just like a shell of underneath this armor and when you really learn to soften and become that flower, it's just this feeling of lightness and this peace. And I think it's so important to, I guess, do a bit of an inventory check on areas of your life and work out, okay, where am I holding on to resentment? Where am I holding on to shame? What, what, what am I holding guilt for? And really work on getting through those low vibrations and feeling what you need to feel so you can come out the other side feeling that little bit lighter. And it's like, you know, these stepping stones that you need to go through to become that flower and to really soften and, you know, open your heart again because, yeah, life's beautiful. And when we spend so much of it worrying about what other people are doing, what what other people are saying, being angry or resenting a person for something that happened five years ago, like, it just wears us down and the sooner that you can learn to soften and open up, the sooner you'll experience that lightness and that peace and yeah, that love again. I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself. We're all here with a unique dharma or life path or gift, right? We've all had very unique experiences where the quote, same, same, but different. And if I'm resentful, which I have been for the last six months, it's been something I've really been navigating, you know, I've been super open. And then you go back into the cave of resentment and you're like, gosh, I thought we were past this, but life throws you another curveball. You realize that as Pema Chodron says, who's one of my favorite Buddhist authors, um, life comes together and it falls apart again. Mm. And what we do in the in the coming together and the falling apart again is always determined on what tools we have in our tool belt, 
what yeah. support we have in the sphere of people. And I think what, when I think about an avatar or I think about the ideal client that comes into Purposefully Clear, they're somewhat familiar with self-care. They're somewhat familiar with healthy practices. But the thing they're missing the most is a supportive person or group of people that are like-minded that can be like, hey, I got you. Hey, I see you. I hold you. I celebrate you. I'm here to listen to you vent, to turn that rock into a flower, right? Like the community is everything. Yeah. And just knowing that you're not alone. It's, um, yeah, I think for me for so long, I just battled through life feeling alone and just, you know, giving into the anxiety and the fears and living small and being that rock and really learning through purposefully clear that when you are vulnerable and when you do have that support network that you just, yeah, it's just beautiful. You've just got this safety, safety net of um, people who understand you and who get it. Yeah. And I love the quote, fortune favors the bold or fortune favors the brave. Because when we think about fortune, it's, it's the flower it's you know abundance and wealth comes in so many different avenues when you are not riddled with anxiety and when you're able to lean on those tools yeah so Lance, how would people find you because you are now a life coach you specialize in anxiety and you really do help women come out the other side of their overwhelm confusion and decision you know sitting on the sidelines feeling lonely where can they find you and how can they get in touch with you? So you can find me on my Instagram page, which is just alana.aken, where I share yeah all of my tips and tricks and share a lot about what I'm going through as well because, yeah, I get it. I've been in the trenches with you, with your anxiety, with your low self-worth, you know, lacking confidence, having no direction. I get it and... It's something that I just battled through for the last 10 years at least. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited that now I'm out the other side and I do get to help other women who are experiencing this pain and this, this hurt and don't know how to move past it, feel that lightness and peace again in their lives. Beautiful. I'm so grateful that you chose me to take you on this journey and to help you kind of transmute that rock into the flower over the last eight months so you're now on the path of doing what you're actually meant to be doing, you know, living that life of freedom, having freedom of time, going to the markets, yoga, (laughs) walking the dog, meditating, all the good stuff in life. So thanks for joining Lan. Super grateful that you're here. And to you listeners, thank you for joining us for this episode. Talk to you soon. Thank you.